Welcome aboard for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Grab your wave, pick up your board, and swim out into the sales pipeline as it curls up over the horizon. I can do it today, a little overcast down here in uh, normally sunny Southern California. Is everybody okay? I mean, like, is, is he... <laughs> We're having some intervention. They've got teams in place, you know, to counsel people here. It's it's not uh, it's not uh, as bad as it could be. But thanks, we practice for these uh, overcast days, and we have response teams in place. Yeah. So meanwhile, our guest, our, our Florida-based guest today, is just shaking his head. Just, <laughs> um, and I know our guest has spent time up and down the East Coast, and mostly mostly people from the East Coast. I mean, I'm born and raised West Coast, born in California, live in Seattle. I mean, we are all like it doesn't get that hot, it doesn't get that cold. And so when it gets overcast, you know, in Southern California, oh. people don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, in Seattle, in the summer, like there are days when it gets over 90 degrees. And I'm not talking a humid 90 degrees. I'm talking a like a low humidity, fairly dry 90 degrees. People still freak out. I mean, I, I kid you not, like the first story on the TV news, they're telling you to stay inside, take water with you everywhere. Yes. Like pretty much just like don't go outside until it gets back to like normal weather. <laughs> Well, that's what we're doing here in sunny Southern California. When it's overcast, we stay home. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, it is. Um, it's a typical Seattle day here today. A typical early spring. Um, I'm trying to make myself feel better by uh, tuning into the Masters. With just, it looks like just beautiful weather in Augusta, Georgia today. Always, the, always. As we record this, the first round of the uh, what I consider the greatest sporting event. Uh, in the world every year. But uh, we're here to talk about Sales Pipeline. Thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. We are here every Thursday live at 11.30 Pacific, 2.30 Eastern. If you're joining us live, which I know many people do, we're very excited to have you. And if you're joining us from the podcast, thank you very much for subscribing. If you're interested in subscribing, you like what you hear today, you can join us uh, every week uh, at your convenience, on demand at Google Play and the iTunes Store. And speaking of on-demand, uh, Paul, we are available past, present, future. Every episode is available at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring every week some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today is no different. Uh, very excited to have with us Jim Ninavaji. He is the Chief Readiness Officer at BrainShark. Talking a little bit more in a minute about what BrainShark does, but he has been uh, involved in sales enablement, sales readiness for many, many years. He was the uh, service director for sales enablement strategies for almost six years at Serious Decisions. And uh, is su we're super excited to have him. So, Jim, thanks very much for joining us today. Hey, Matt, it's always a pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. One of the smartest guys in sales enablement, one of the sharpest dressers in B2B. And uh, Jim, you have, I mean, you literally have had a front seat, uh, a front row seat to the evolution and growth of sales enablement over the past several years. I mean, I was I was joking with someone the other day that it wasn't that long ago when you really couldn't even use the term sales enablement like in marketing material because no one knew what that was. And now all of a sudden, it is a major category that is becoming dare I say, close to table stakes for modern B2B companies. What what have you seen over the past several years as you've really sort of been at the forefront from the infancy of this category? Yeah, So and thank you for that compliment on being the sharp dresser. Today I am in sunny Florida, and I am in flip-flops and, <laughs> and a polo shirt. So Nice. But it's, so when I was asked by uh, John Neeson and Rich Elb, uh, this goes back about seven or eight years ago, uh, the founders of Serious Decisions to start up a sales enablement practice, I said, absolutely excited to do it. What's sales enablement? I, I <laughs> literally didn't know <laughs> what they were asking me to do because I had not really heard the term. And, um, 
You know, back then, you know, sales enablement in its infancy really was more of a marketing function than it was a sales function. And if I look at, you know, the evolution of how my practice changed to serious decisions, I would say, you know, back eight, eight years ago, you know, we had primarily marketing folks were our, our what we called subscribers or seat holders. And then, but if you look at, you know, when I left Serious Decisions about a year and a half ago, it was almost 90% sales or reporting into sales. So, you know, back then, the, the function was really focused more on content and content management. And over time, the function evolved to cover a, a broader range of, you know, sales readiness and sales enablement needs. Who should be owning sales enablement at this point? I mean, I've seen, to your point, I've seen people on the, both the marketing side and sales side. Does it matter, or is one group versus the other tend to be better at being successful with sales enablement? Yeah, I've seen it su- successful with, with either group owning it. And I know some people feel absolutely, you know, it's a sales function. It should report into sales. And, it, and I kind of get, get that because you might have a, a little bit more credibility, right or wrong, with the sales folks if you're reporting into sales. But I've seen plenty of organizations where sales enablement falls under marketing, and they're doing a, a great job with the sales team. So I think it's, it's less around where it reports into and more around what does it do and, and, what is it, and, and what is it focused on, and is it clear in terms of its objectives? Is it clear in terms of the metrics we're going to use and KPIs we're going to use to uh, measure ourselves and measure how well we're doing in terms of moving the needle with uh, with our salespeople. So um, I think today, you know, predominantly it is falling more and more under sales because it is because of that whole uh, focus on onboarding and sales training. But I used to tell my holders all the time, it doesn't matter where it reports into, what really matters is having it well-defined and knowing what your mission is. I would agree with that. I think um, you know the its out its focus and its outcome is way more important than where it sits in the org chart. I would also agree that we're seeing yeah. it more often sitting in sales than marketing, and I, I actually think that that's a missed opportunity for marketing organizations who want to you know sort of demonstrate greater revenue responsibility, who want to have an impact further into the funnel, uh, who care about not just marketing source but marketing influence revenue. Um, but and I, and I want to talk a little bit about kind of where sales enablement has maybe sort of where it originated to help companies sort of figure out where, you know, where and who should be managing it. Uh, but uh, talking today to Jim Ninavaji, he's the chief readiness officer at, at BrainShark. And, and before we go too much further, uh, give us a definition of what you consider sales enablement to be. Like, what are the key components, whether or not someone calls it sales enablement, whether or not they describe it that way internally, what are the components that go into it uh, and that, that people need to be focused on? And what's the, what is the desired outcome from those efforts? I think, I mean, there are a gazillion definitions out there (laughs) of sales enablement. And I'm a pretty simple guy, so I keep mine pretty simple, which is it's ensuring that a salesperson or any really, you know, it could be a a business development rep, it could be a customer success manager, uh, but ensuring that 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 salesperson is showing up for every customer interaction, whether that interaction is happening via email, on social, over the phone, be a web conference or face to face, that that rep shows up with the knowledge, the skills, and the assets that will make that interaction impactful to the buyer, 
and hopefully move an opportunity forward. Uh, that's my definition of enablement. And then if you and if you kind of work backwards from there, right? I talked about that salesperson showing up with knowledge and skills. That's that typically means that hey, we've got to make sure that these salespeople are well trained, and that we have a continuous learning strategy to ensure that they show up with the latest knowledge about our competitors and about our products and about the marketplace. I also talked about assets, and that's all about having the right content and and presenting that content in a way that is relevant and impactful for that particular interaction. And, you know, I run enablement uh, here at BrainShark, and I, you know, I feel my job is to ensure that when a buyer leaves an interaction with a salesperson from BrainShark, even if they don't buy from us, although I hope they always do, they say, you know what, that was time well spent, and that was a salesperson that I'd hired my own organization. That, to me, is ultimately my job at BrainShark, is to yeah, I, all the other stuff as well in terms of, you know, you know, shortening sales cycles and improving win rates and all that good stuff. But ultimately, the thing that I really have most control over is ensuring that our reps are showing up ready to uh, ready to rock and roll for that uh, particular interaction. I think, I mean, again, like, you know, we haven't been talking about sales enablement as a category that long. I remember it was maybe four, maybe five years ago working with one of the early kind of early adopter vendors in the marketplace. Yeah. And they were saying that their primary target for sales enablement software was actually the product marketing organization. And I think a lot of companies, when they think of sales enablement, they start to hear you talk about, oh, it's content. They're like, oh no, our product marketing team does that. I was talking to an enterprise company earlier this week and we we're trying to like, create, we were, lived, we were desperately trying to figure out like how we could create better top of funnel content for their named account teams to engage their prospects. And they kept saying, well, our, our product team does the accounts and you know, they'll tell you what product features to talk about. And so I think, you know, it's, 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 it's nice to know sometimes where that came from, but there's a danger in that still sitting with or being grounded in product marketing, maybe for that reason. Can you talk about sort of pros and cons of that approach or that origin? Yeah, I think the, um, and I, and it's, it, Again, I, I saw that as well, um, and I think it was this concept that we could content and message our way to enablement. That you know, as a product marketer, if I just gave the reps the the right messaging and I give them you know gave them the best content, that that's all we needed to do. And hey, you know, here here's your messaging and here's your content, and you know, show that content at the and share it at the right time. But. Um, you know, that's, that just doesn't work that way. Sales is not about messaging. It's about conversations, right? And so what enablement needs, so when I look at what, for example, we do at BrainShark is, you know, we've got a terrific product marketing team that create great content for our reps, they create great messaging. Our job in enablement is to take that and then turn it into a conversation and to make sure that our salespeople are able to uh, use that messaging in a real conversation that never goes the way that you plan, right? right. That's the downside of messaging. <laughs> As I had a, a client once say, you know, Jim, we tried messaging, but uh, our customers kept forgetting the lines. You know, it never worked out exactly <laughs> the way that you, you expect it to. So, you know, we, we say, you know, I, I say I want to get my reps ready for improvisation, and I want them to be so in, in tune to what our product features can do and their ability to translate that to the value of whoever they're sitting across from. That's ultimately the job of enablement. But we, we, I can't do that without my product marketing folks, right? And, and I can't create the content that they can create, and, and that content is 
is terrific and it's uh, you know super valuable. But we got to make sure that our reps are using that content in a conversation. I never, you know, I was a salesperson in an earlier life. I never won a deal because a client <laughs> told me I had better content than my competitors. Right? Uh, content's important. Don't get me wrong, but it's content um, together with you know a, you know impactful conversations and the ability to demonstrate value. That's really kind of wrapping up what enablement is all about. Love it. I think we're going to take a little bit of an early break and pay some bills. Uh, we've got a lot of great content. Got like more questions for our guest today, Jim Ninavaji. He's the Chief Readiness Sales Readiness Officer uh, for BrainShark. We're going to be talking a little bit about what does sales readiness mean? How is that different than the topic of sales enablement? Getting a little deeper into sort of what's working and what not working as companies increase their focus of sales enablement as a function. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z, marketing.com. All right, back to Matt and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Well, uh, if you like what you're hearing on Sales Pipeline Radio so far today, you're going to love what you're going to hear from future episodes as well as past episodes. Make sure you don't miss any of those by going to salespipelineradio.com. All of our episodes are available on demand coming up next couple weeks. Next week, we have Jen Martin. She runs sales for a startup called BitTitan here in Seattle. We're going to be talking about how to adjust your go-to-market strategy when you have a new product. Uh, just because you've sold a certain way in a certain market with a previous product doesn't mean that that same go-to-market sales and marketing strategy will apply to your new market. So we're going to talk about differences and how to know when to make those changes with Jen Martin next week. Week after that, we got Ravi Turner. We talked about him. Very excited to talk about the idea of data intelligence and what that can do. Smarter way of thinking about data within your organization. And coming up at the beginning of May, very excited to have Elisa Fink. She is the CMO of Tableau Software. She has been CMO of Tableau Software since I think there were maybe nine people at the company, and they are now publicly traded large organization. Talk about how different sales and marketing efforts mature as companies go through different phases of growth. But today, got a little more time here with Jim Ninavaji. He's the Chief Readiness Officer for BrainShark. And Jim, what exactly does sales readiness mean? I mean, we're just, we're just finally getting our arms yeah. around what sales enablement might mean. How is sales readiness different? So, and, yeah, and I, have the, I think I am the only person in the world with the, <laughs> the title Chief Readiness Officer. I looked it up on LinkedIn, and I right now I am the only. If you search "chief readiness officer," it's just me. Uh, wow. So we we are so BrainShark. We call ourselves a sales readiness platform, and and the reason we did that is and and then if, if you kind of look at the the sales enablement technology space, 
for a while there, we, we were kind of, everybody was kind of lumped in together, right? And, and we, we as vendors were partly to, to blame because if you looked at our websites, all of us were touting ourselves as the leading sales enablement platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it could be that we were, but the, and, and the reality was we were, uh, in many cases, trying to solve different problems. So, you know, for example, companies like Savo, Seismic, Highspot, um, they really focus on sales content management, whereas, you know, BrainShark, we're focused on what we would call sales readiness, which is that, you know, ability to, to train your salespeople, but also to assess for, to ensure that they are ready for those conversations. So to a certain extent, we've seen that, that bifurcation, it, it's, it's happened uh, both in the, on the technology side, where we now, you know, we're not lumped in with those sales content management players, and they're not lumped in with us. And as a matter of fact, we've got partnerships with, uh, with, with some of those companies. Uh, and readiness is now recognized as a distinct, you know, category of sales technology. Forrester and Series Decisions and other research firms are covering uh, companies like us differently than uh, the, the sales content uh, management players. So let's double click on that topic of sales readiness. Uh, and I think, you know, the, yeah. a lot of times with companies that I think uh, are putting an increased focus on the sales enablement, sales readiness, sales operations, they're thinking about active selling time. And I think I may have first heard about that from you uh, and, uh, and and Trip and others, both back at Serious Decisions, talking about the percent of time people spend actively selling. And, and you know, yeah. it, it, for, for organizations that are focused on metrics and want to make this, you know, quantifiable, do a benchmark of how much time your reps are spending actively selling and figure out how to minimize the amount of the rest of the time they have to spend to be ready, not just ready to sell, but to actively sell. And then you're never going to get all that 75% back. I mean, I think I say 75%, I've seen data as low as 25% of a you know field sales reps time actively selling. But what from your seat, what are, what are some of the primary culprits of, of, of taking time away from reps from selling? What are the things that they spend the most time doing not selling that can potentially be reeled back and made more efficient. Yeah, uh, well, certainly uh, reporting. <laughs> yeah, the amount of reporting that salespeople are expected to do today compared to you know fifteen or twenty years ago is ridiculous. So, uh, a lot of the a lot of time reps are spending just reporting, you know, entering uh, content uh, or data into their CRMs, and that takes up uh, a lot of time. Um, I, you know, content creation. Or finding content—that's a big, uh, that's a, a, a huge uh, time suck. Um, just you know, having to you know because they can't find what they need, salespeople end up you know you know they'll figure out a way, so they'll build their own stuff. So, and that's really you know if you look at those sales content management players, that's their focus. Um, email, email is a huge, huge time sucker. Um, I did a. Uh, time and motion study for a large software company when it, when I was at Serious Decisions, and we found that on average their salespeople were losing six to eight hours a week sifting through corporate email. I'm not talking about email that was coming from prospects and customers, just stuff that was coming from corporate. So, you know, one of the things that I did, first things I did at, at BrainShark and, and taking over uh, on the readiness side was implementing a policy that you could not Nobody could, you know, directly email our salespeople unless you're the CSO or CEO or there was a urgency to the information getting to the field. Instead, we have a, a weekly newsletter. It goes out every Friday afternoon. Our reps know when it comes. It's set up, you know, uh, and structured consistently. 
And they know where to go now to get information about upcoming events, uh, sales enablement happenings, product announcement, marketing uh, assets. Um, so that's a, those are some, uh, you know, that's a very simple fix. If you're, if anybody out there who is uh, running enablement, take a look at how much time your reps spend on email, and I'm guaranteed you can get them back at least two to three hours a week uh, to active selling time. I love that feedback. That's a, such a great suggestion. You know, one of the other places we see a lot of companies, uh, a, lot of, a lot of sales reps spend, say they spend a ton of time is, you know, you mentioned reporting and reps talk about CRM, mm -hmm. like how much time they spend yep. in systems, adding information that someone's asked them to add, filling out, you know, details about an activity they just had. Um, and this gets into the you know, sort of the issue, the uh, I guess the difference between sales enablement and sales operations, right? I think traditionally, yeah. sales ops has been very maybe more administrative, more tactical, more reactive. I think the idea of sales enablement, sales readiness means we can be more strategic, more proactive. What does that mean relative to CRM? How do we start to make CRM either more efficient for reps or start to sort of help them use other tools or other means uh, to sort of get back more, more of that time for actively selling? Yeah, I think there's. Um, I, I wish if I have the answer to this, I'd <laughs> be a millionaire, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd be uh, Mark Benioff. Uh, but uh, I think because you know, I, I I have this theory that if you were to go, because I'm, I'm I'm old enough to have you know sold before there was CRM. We, we use abacuses to calculate uh, commissions. Uh, but I was you know, I you know saw CRM being. Um, introduced into corporate America, and uh, I have this theory that CRM has actually hurt sales productivity uh, as opposed to helped sales productivity. For all this, Matt, for all the things that you've talked about, you know, reps spend a lot of time just, you know, sitting there and filling out data, required, you know, uh, data, updating their forecasts and pipelines. I think the way that we fix that is rather than you know, the rep going into the CRM, the CRM is capturing from the rep what they're doing based on the activities that the rep is doing. So, you know, getting the rep out of the CRM and getting them back into tools that make them more productive, like a readiness platform, like a, you know, a, a productivity platform, uh, you, know, you know, those things that can guide a salesperson through their next best activity. Um, and behind the scenes, you can have CRM capturing that data and updating records so that the salesperson doesn't have to do it. Um, and I think we're, we're get, I really do, I believe we'll get there eventually, uh, but uh, in, in not in the, in, the, in the short term horizon. I still see uh, as much talk as there has been around this idea of, you know, kind of capturing through our artificial intelligence the, uh, information from reps. I, I, I haven't seen an application that's really, you know, uh, field ready yet. Well, the world's ready for another Mark Benioff, Jim. I think that could be you if we can figure this out. Um, I mean, and, and and we do see plenty of uh, sales organizations where the reps uh, spend little to no time actually in CRM. You know, there's plenty of tools that they can use that I think are better interfaces for uh, you know for the sales reps. I mean, I think you know companies that are using tools like BrainShark, looking at tools like Outreach and, and SalesLoft, and using that as the rep interface to make them more productive. We are quickly running out of time with uh, Jim Nenavaji today. He's the Chief Readiness Officer, uh, Sales Readiness Officer at BrainShark. And last question for you, Jim. I mean, you've been in the sales world for a long time. Uh, you know, we always ask people a version of this question, who are some of the people that have been most influential for you along your career path? And they can be dead or alive, they can be authors, they can be, you know, managers, mentors, uh, but who are one or two people that maybe other, other listeners 
of the show should go out seek out uh, as sources of insight and inspiration as well. Uh, on the sales side, actually, it was my first sales manager, this guy, uh, Terry Nathan. He was, uh, he taught me the ability to be strategic. He taught me the power of the written word. Um, he was uh, absolutely phenomenal. You know, on the, uh, I, I love the Daniel Pink book, the, you know, to, to sell as human. I think that um, for I think part of the struggle with, uh, as a sales enablement leader is that everybody comes to the table with preconceived notions of what sales is. And, you know, salespeople, you know, you hear that term, salespeople are coin-operated and all that kind of stuff. And part of my job or part of the job of any sales enablement leader is to educate the entire company on what sales really is all about and what drives salespeople and what is selling. Because it's not selling ice to an Eskimo, because if you do that, you're going to lose a customer for life. And I think the book, um, set to Sell as Human by Daniel Pink is a great way to educate your entire company about what selling is truly all about. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I, it's, uh, it's the one book that I often recommend to people, that, especially those that aren't in sales for a company, you know, people that want to understand yeah. how, how good sales works, but they're not in sales. They're not going to read a more methodology-driven book, I think, To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink. Great recommendation. Well, we unfortunately are out of time. We got a lot more. We could keep going for, for days. We could, we could talk about a lot of different topics, but really appreciate our time with Jim Ninavaji. He's the sales readiness officer at BrainShark. If you like this conversation and want to make sure others in your organization listen to it, uh, you will have access to this on demand up on not only the podcast feed and iTunes Store and Google Play, but up on demand at salespipelineradio.com just in a couple days. We will also do a highlight blog post featuring uh, some of the best and brightest of what Jim shared with us today on HeinzMarketing.com in a couple, uh, in about uh, 10 days. Uh, make sure you join us next week. We've got a lot of great guests as we get further into Q2, further into April, further into spring paul the sun's coming i apologize for the for the for the uh for the overcast today but uh, our great guests and flip-flops and polo shirts maybe give you inspiration we'll not be around the corner thanks everyone for joining us today for my great producer paul this is matt hines we'll see you next week sales pipeline radio you've been tuned to another episode of sales pipeline radio brought to you by the good folks at hines marketing 